If the human body was a house, the heart would represent both the electrical and plumbing systems, as both are important functions of the heart. Electrical problems in the heart are referred to as arrhythmias and may be transient or prolonged and lethal. Our focus today will be on the plumbing, as chronic blockages in the system can lead to decreased availability of water to drink, whereas large, sudden blockages can cut off the supply to pivotal parts of the home and need immediate intervention to maintain the quality of life and the people inside. The Internet Work, a podcast made by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is on acute coronary syndromes, or ACS. A prototypical heart attack or myocardial infarction is a type of acute coronary syndrome and is amongst a spectrum of problems that can arise in the heart's internal circulation. ACS specifically refers to a sudden change in coronary blood flow. This most commonly happens when plaque, which develops as atherosclerosis in the coronary arteries, ruptures and causes significant blockage in the affected vessels. ACS is organized into a few major categories from least to most severe, from unstable angina to a STEMI. Symptoms that arise at rest or are worse or more frequent than before is referred to as unstable angina. Comparatively, symptoms that occur in conjunction with a troponin rise are called either a non-ST elevation MI, otherwise known as an N-STEMI, or ST elevation MI, otherwise known as a STEMI, depending on the patient's ECG changes. A troponin rise is typically evidence of heart muscle damage. We will discuss later in this podcast what ECG changes we would expect with N-STEMIs and STEMIs and what to do about them. Now, the diagnosis of ACS relies primarily on taking a good history, performing a thorough physical exam, reviewing investigations, and carefully analyzing their electrocardiogram. Criteria for a final diagnosis of ACS involve two out of the three of cardiac chest pain, ischemic ECG changes, and an elevated troponin. The hallmark symptom of coronary artery disease is angina, a reaction of the heart when it is not receiving adequate blood flow and thus oxygen. Angina is typically described as a retrosternal chest pressure or heaviness. Common associated symptoms include pain radiating into the shoulders or jaw, shortness of breath, nausea, and diaphoresis. Sometimes a patient with ACS will experience only shortness of breath or another associated symptom without chest pain. Thus, these symptoms can be considered anginal equivalents. Many conditions can cause symptoms similar to those of angina, so remember that pain which is pleuritic, positional, or reproducible to touch is not typical of ACS pain. Important risk factors for ACS include diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, smoking, and a positive family history. Previous history of coronary artery disease is another important factor as identifying how the disease was managed previously, either with medications, stenting, or surgery, will affect the management of these patients now. It is really important when examining someone with a suspected ACS to assess whether the patient is clinically stable or unstable. Methods to assess for clinical stability include their vital signs, particularly their heart rate, which may be either too fast or too slow, blood pressure, which may be too low, respiratory rate, oxygen saturations, or oxygen requirements. If at any point your patient is having ongoing chest pain or you are concerned about their clinical stability, call for help. 
Once you have determined that your patient is stable, you should proceed to your physical exam. Now, it is important to look for signs of arrhythmia, such as an irregular heart rate or heart failure. Signs of heart failure on exam include an elevated jugular venous pulsation, peripheral edema, or respiratory crackles. Next, we move on to our investigations. First, it is important to take a look at the ECG. While not all ACS will lead to ECG changes, there are certain features on ECG that can suggest ACS and support your diagnosis. Things to look out for are two-wave inversions, T-wave peaking, alterations in the ST segments such as depressions or elevations, and prominent Q-waves, often in that order. Q-waves can suggest that there has been previous ischemic damage, potentially from a previous MI. ST segment elevations suggest that a coronary artery is completely blocked and is referred to as a STEMI, the most severe type of ACS. If your patient has ECG changes concerning for a STEMI, call a more senior colleague immediately as the patient needs to be sent for urgent revascularization, either through thrombolysis or cardiac angioplasty. When looking for ECG changes, focus on the different areas of the heart. The interior leads are in V1 through V4. The lateral leads are leads 1, AVL, V5, and V6. The inferior leads are leads 2, 3, and AVF. And the posterior region of the heart is better assessed with a 15-lead ECG, looking at leads V7 through V9. The troponin is a cardiac enzyme that is released in the setting of a myocardial injury. Elevated troponins do not always mean that there is an ACS, but should be interpreted in the context of chest pain and ECG changes. Remember the two out of the three criteria you need to diagnose an ACS, cardiac chest pain, an elevated troponin, or ECG changes. Troponin levels are also useful to assess the level of damage in the heart. Thus, they should be followed serially, especially in those patients continuing to have chest pain. Troponin levels typically peak within 24 hours of the event, and as appropriate treatment is initiated, the troponin levels should decrease. If the troponin levels continue to rise, you have to think of either an ongoing ACS that needs more urgent management, such as revascularization, or difficulties with troponin clearance, such as in the context of renal failure. The acute management for ACS first involves the stabilization of the patient. Then, we look at preventing more damage to the myocardium, controlling symptoms, and assessing the cardiac circulation for areas to intervene. Antiplatelet drugs such as ASA, clopidogrel, or ticagrelor are given to prevent the further extension of clot formation in the coronary arteries, and are combined with anticoagulants such as heparin or fondoparinox. High-dose statins are given to stabilize plaques in the coronaries. Symptoms are managed through the use of supplemental oxygen if the patient is hypoxic, nitroglycerin, which is a coronary vasodilator in the setting of chest pain, and other pain control adjuncts such as morphine. Lastly, to assess areas of blockage in the coronary circulation, further diagnostic testing is necessary. For most patients in the hospital, this will be via a coronary angiogram, which assesses the coronary arteries through fluoroscopy and allows the interventional cardiologist to intervene on narrowed arteries through ballooning and placement of a stent. For certain patients who are very clinically stable, have no chest pain, or have no elevation in troponin levels, a cardiac stress test may be the first test to assess how much of the heart is affected and whether or not an angiogram is needed. 
Furthermore, adjunct tests such as echocardiograms are needed to visualize affected portions of the myocardium and their function. today focuses on the drugs that have been shown to have long-term mortality benefits in patients post-ACS in clinical trials. Aspirin, as started in the acute setting, will be continued long-term to minimize platelet aggregation in the coronaries. Patients who have had an NSTEMI, STEMI, or have had stents placed will also get a second antiplatelet drug, such as clopidogrel or ticagrelor, for a period of time after the event to help prevent further events and keep the stent open. Statins not only help stabilize plaque in the short term, but also improve the body's lipid profile and have long-term mortality benefit post-ACS. Beta blockers have also shown mortality benefit and help reduce the oxygen demands of the heart. Lastly, for patients with hypertension or evidence of decreased systolic function, ACE inhibitors are also added. Thank you for listening to today's episode about ACS. This episode is written by Dr. Lakshman Vasantha Mohan, internal medicine resident, and edited by Dr. Matthew Sibald, cardiology, and Dr. Raz Wine, internal medicine. This episode was produced by Allison Lai, music and sound production by Lakshman Vasantha Mohan. This is the internet work, and please tune in again soon.